Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm your host, Kenny Price. Guat.Rocks is brought to you by One Life at a Time Productions, a media outreach of transformthiscity.org. To help support our podcast, you can go to transformthiscity.org and click Donate, and it will take you to our secure PayPal portal. TTC is an IRS 501c3 tax-exempt organization, and your support is tax-deductible. Also, I want to give a shout-out today to Holman, the publisher of Christian Standard Bible, for the full right of use in all of our podcasts. Today's subject specifically is pot, but we're going to also look at a broader approach to the whole idea of mind control. Today's summary, we advance equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world when we maintain full control of our minds by abstaining from pot and other mind-altering drugs and beverages, and we promote the same mental health and same spiritual health in others. From what perspective, today's subject would fit in the world category. You don't change your behavior based on fact, but on emotional connection that sinks deep into your soul, the core of you. So a lot of the data has been pushed to hyperlinks that you can read on your own. You can find it in our show's notes. Details will be given at the end of this podcast. The legalization of pot state by state, unchecked by, and now it appears on the verge of being ratified by the federal government, is part of a cultural downward spiral that is part of the further unraveling of America. Wow, how did we get to this point in our society? And how do we advance equilibrium in the midst of this decaying agitation? We must make a soul connection with the reality that pot is not good for our health, and we must care for others enough to talk to them on where they are with pot. We are a health-conscious culture. Pot is bad for health. It's bad for your mental health. It's bad for your physical health. It's bad for your social health. It's bad for your financial health. And it's bad for your spiritual health. As we dig deep and deeper into this decaying situation, let's first consider a brief overview of the present situation of pot in America. Number one, it's still against federal law. It's illegal to grow, possess, sell, and use marijuana with stiff penalties for possession and distribution. If you're caught with 999-plus plants, you would get life in prison without parole and a million-dollar fine. Yet now, there's a push in the central government, under the leadership of congressional politicians, to legalize marijuana at the federal level. In February of 2019, in February of this year, ex-Speaker of the House John Boehner a Republican from Ohio, was named Honorary Chairman of the National Cannabis Roundtable, an organization to lobby for pro-marijuana policy. He isn't legally registered as a lobbyist, but serves as an advisor. Without most of us even knowing it, there have been volleys back and forth on memorandums telling the states where pot has already been approved for sale to back off on enforcement. State after state is legalizing CBD oil, hemp oil, even before they have legalized marijuana. CBD, cannabidiol, an extract from the marijuana plant, it's touted for its supposed medicinal or therapeutic value. I even saw a social post where a person was giving it to their dog to calm down uh, the dog during thunderstorms. For the record, CBD oil is still illegal, as well as marijuana according to federal law. Just check out the Washington Post article on June 24, 2019, entitled, CBD-infused food and beverages are still illegal under U.S. law, so why are they everywhere? That's the article 
in the Washington Post, June 24, 2019. The infiltration state by state of the legalization of the CBD oil is a part of the reshaping of the American mind toward pot and its uses in order to push the larger agenda of legalizing pot and the rest of currently illicit drugs. This information surrounding pot by the pot lobbyists is prolific and invasive, and it's everywhere. Number two, an overview, increasing pressure from our neighbors south of the border for the legalization of all drugs. This is where we presently find ourselves. On November 18, 2015, Reuters reported that Vincente Fox, the former president of Mexico, stated that in 10 years, Mexico would legalize all drugs. Now, that was five years ago. And that when they do that, they will be poised to be a major exporter to the United States. I've got a question to ask you. Do you think he's kidding? Just recently, in August 21st, 2019, the USA Today reported, this is the article, a court in Mexico has ordered the country's health authority to allow two unidentified people to possess, transport, and use cocaine, but not to buy or sell it. Advocates said Tuesday, the first-of-its-kind ruling does not completely legalize cocaine and won't take effect until it's confirmed by a higher court, according to a release from Mexico United Against Crime, a non-governmental organization that seeks to end the country's war on drugs. I want you to note a tactic being used in Mexico that will also be mimicked here in the United States is to pose the legalization of pot and the rest of illegal drugs as an anti-crime effort through the abolition of the criminality of drug use. Yet, what these people are doing is inviting the fox to run the hen house. Mexico United Against Crime claims we have been working for a safer, more just and peaceful Mexico for years and with this case, we insist on the need to stop criminalizing users of drugs other than marijuana and design better public policies that explore all available options, including the regulation, said Lisa Sanchez, director of the organization, in a news release. An official from the Federal Commission for the Protection Against Sanitary Risks told the AFP news agency that it has moved to block the court order, which was delivered in May. The case could make its way to Mexico's Supreme Court. Under Mexican law, five similar decisions occurring on a related issue can set a standard that would be mandatory for all courts in the country. MUCD used a similar strategy to push for legalization of marijuana, and in 2018, Mexico's Supreme Court ruled that a blanket ban on recreational use was unconstitutional, according to Reuters. The group hopes recent decision will push authorities to put more resources toward the prevention of violent crimes. Mexico set a record for homicides in the first half of 2019 with 17,608, up 5.3% compared to the same period of 2019. The country of almost 125 million people now sees as many as 100 killings a day nationwide. In 2018, the number of drug-related homicides in Mexico rose to 33,341, a 15% increase from the year before, and a new record high according to the Council on Foreign Relations. The Mexican government is considering lifting the ban on drugs that are currently illegal, according to the National Development Plan put forth by President Andres Manuel López Obrador, a left-wing politician who took office in December. Number three, the superior funding of the drug cartels. I made a ministry call one night to a home to visit a very disturbed adult who was living with their parents. 
They were battling severe mental problems. I had another guy assist me on the visit. The parents had requested the visit, and the adult son agreed to talk to us, but without the parents present. So we talked in the kitchen while the parents stayed in the living room. As we got up from the kitchen table to leave, the parents stood up to thank us for coming. As we were headed out the door, I asked the father what he did for a living. He said he worked for the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. I said, really? I bet that's an interesting job. And he said, yes, it's definitely interesting. I asked him what he did with the DEA. He said that he sat in the back seat of a small plane and watched people and things. He then said that his team, two pilots and himself, were the ones that made the connection that led to the arrest of a big drug lord. He said that the way they found him was by prolonged surveillance from 10 miles away. He could see the tunnels under the U.S. border because the desert tunnels were air-conditioned and showed up through infrared detection as blue stripes in the sand. He said they followed the delivery trucks up into the mountains to the same house every time. That is where the drug lord was. He then said that his plane was grounded at the moment, being upgraded with new surveillance equipment. I said, well, that's good. He said that as soon as they got the plane back, that they would still be behind the drug cartel's technology they used to avoid detection. I was shocked by that statement. I asked him, the drug cartels have better equipment than the federal government of the United States? He looked at me and said, sir, there's no way the federal government can keep up with the drug cartels. He then went on to say that they would always be playing catch up. We have budget constraints, and the drug cartels have unlimited resources to spend. So I ask you a question. Do you think that just because we legalize pot, or all other drugs for that matter, that the drug lords are going to walk away from even one layer of the drug machine? Number four, the state legislatures are mowing down federal law. In days past, if a state mowed down federal law, the feds would threaten the states with the cutoff of federal funding in diverse and creative ways that made a believer out of the state governments and brought them back into alignment with federal law. I got a question asked, why are we not seeing this type of federal response at all? What does that tell you? Tragically, I've even had police officers say to me directly that they wish they would legalize pot so they can focus on more important things. In all of my experience in ministry on the streets, I am telling you that every time a cop has said that in front of me, I silently think, well, he smokes dope. Anyone who works in that realm on a regular basis knows and understands the, the disastrous spider web that any drug, all drugs, weave. We have waked up in Back to the Future too. The episode where Biff, the villainous kid, is the one who gained control of the future. While 33 states have legalized medical marijuana, the remaining 17 states have passed laws allowing the use of CBD extract. The recreational use of cannabis is legalized in 11 states, Alaska, California, Colorado, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington, the District of Columbia, the Northern Mariana Islands, and Guam. More have decriminalized it, if not yet legalized it. Number five, I want to point to Colorado as an example. You can do an easy search on all the states that have already legalized it, but let's just look at Colorado as an example. Focus on the family. 
headquartered in Colorado Springs, Colorado, is a very reliable source for issues facing the family. On their website, focusonthefamily.org, you will find an eight-part series under the social issues category, Marijuana, the Big Picture. A multitude of hyperlink references are embedded to make it easy to research the big picture for yourself. And article number five of the series, Colorado, a marijuana case study, they report presently that one million square feet of commercial marijuana is being grown within its borders. THC, the active ingredients in marijuana that get you high, potency is 10 to 15 times stronger than in the 1970s. In the 1970s, the normal marijuana plant contained approximately 2% THC. Today, it's 30% or greater. Pot is infiltrating their schools all the way to the elementary level. Welfare abuse is increasing as people use the money from welfare to buy pot. The use of harder drugs is on the rise. The increased consumption. 20% of users consume marijuana almost daily. That's more than 35% higher than the national average. Half to 90% of all pot is being bought by tourists, depending on where you are in the state. From what I can tell, the main difference being the tourist population centers. There has been a 100% increase in automobile fatalities involving drivers testing positive for marijuana. Youth marijuana use is contributing to declining academic performance. Colorado is fourth in the nation in youth consumption, 39% higher than the national average, resulting in a 32% increase in school suspensions and expulsions. Overall, there's been an increase in crime and homelessness. Right at half a million adults, 10% of the population, of which heavy users, that means daily use, account for one out of five of all users, but consume two-thirds of the pot. Now, let me say that again so that you can grab this. So 10% of the population uses marijuana, of which heavy users account for one in five of all users. But the one in five users consumes two-thirds of all the pot. That means the daily users are consuming a lot of pot. Keep in mind that when a poll is conducted on use, very few people are going to tell the truth on how much they use. An addict doesn't want to tell on themselves and give you the lowdown. A side note, the lie of the wording. They say that they've legalized marijuana, pot, cannabis for recreational use. In Colorado, you can purchase up to 28 grams. That's one ounce of marijuana at a time. If you smoke one gram of pot per day for an evening stone of four hours, that would be a cost of $420 a month, and that would come to right at one ounce. That hardly equates to recreational use. That would equate to addicted use. But the daily users are smoking pot much more than that. And who is really going to monitor how many legal doses you're purchasing throughout the month? In Indiana, lawmakers enacted a penalty measure, SB 290, that sets amounts of drugs for which a person may be convicted of possession with intent to deliver without additional evidence of trafficking the marijuana amount is 10 pounds. A Justice Reinvestment Act, this sounds just like truth speak out of the novel 1984 in Maryland, HB 1312 addressed mandatory penalties 
for possession and distribution of 50 pounds or more of marijuana. 49.99 pounds would be 1,399 grams, or roughly 2,798 marijuana cigarettes. Folks, not only are our states destroying our homes through the legalization of pot, but they are empowering those who are also selling it illegally. So that's an overview of what's happening with the federal laws, with the state entitlements, the state legalizations. But let's get it down to the personal effect. How does it impact us as human beings? And first of all, it's bad for our mental health. Have you ever wondered why we have an increasing number of people, it seems, who want to enter into an altered state of mind in exchange for real life? What does that say about their present reality? Contrary to the pot-sponsored reports and news releases, pot increases paranoia, psychosis, and violent behavior. You can go to a, a hundred different articles on the web that will tell you different, but I encourage you to look at the sponsors of those articles, and it's going to be people that are vying for the legalization of marijuana. But marijuana increases the risk of developing psychotic disorders like schizophrenia. Marijuana use during adolescence can have lasting effects, including changes to the reward system in the brain and trouble with thinking and remembering. Oh, the 70s show, that 70s show, uh, it's so smarmy. I've seen the show, the people sitting around the table and smoking their pot and then forgetting things. And it's just so funny. But folks, it's not funny. And the lasting impact of the human brain can be serious. In addition to psychosis, marijuana can also cause anxiety, panic attacks, depression, and sleep disorders. With the new strains of marijuana and the genetically altered pot that people are selling, people may get too high by using a strain of marijuana that is stronger than they thought it would be by using too much or by consuming it in a different way. Some of the oils that they're selling in the marijuana dispensaries, as they're called, is almost 100% THC, very, very potent. Adults who have been diagnosed with marijuana use disorder have high rates of mental health disorders, including anxiety, depression, PTSD, and ADHD. It's hard to know whether the marijuana use disorder or the mental health disorder appeared first, since many people use drugs to self-medicate. But the bottom line is, the use of marijuana is not good for your mental health. What about our physical health? Smoking pot is bad for your lungs with an increasing risk for lung cancer, emphysema, and other cardiopulmonary diseases as that of tobacco and often more of them. WebMD, you can check out their link regarding marijuana and the results of marijuana smoke. The link between tobacco smoke and lung cancer is well known. Studies show that marijuana smoke has many of the same harmful substances as that of tobacco. You can go to their website and read the list of chemicals that are contained in a natural cannabis plant that go into your lungs when you smoke it and inhale the smoke. Let me stop right there for just a minute. Think about what I just said. Think about the unnatural act of going to something that you light and that you inhale the smoke into your lungs. That is a very unnatural act in and of itself course, cigarette smoking is the same thing. 
it doesn't make human sense to inhale smoke into your lungs. If your house is on fire, you don't stand there to do all that you can to inhale the smoke. You run for your life. The same should be regarding smoking, period, whether it be cigarettes, but especially marijuana. Of course, many have said, well, I've given up smoking for vaping. And if you've been keeping up with the news as of late, you know that vaping is a disaster beyond disaster. It is not a problem solver. It is just more trouble of the same. But people also smoke marijuana in a different way than tobacco, possibly posing greater danger to the lungs. You usually inhale marijuana smoke deeply and hold it in, which gives the toxins more contact with your lung tissue and more chance to stick there. Also, you generally smoke a joint all the way to the end. Tar, the the sticky stuff left after burning, has high levels of harmful substances, and it's concentrated at the end of a joint. In a medical journal article published on the National Center for Biotechnical website, NCBI, entitled Cannabis Use and Risk of Lung Cancer, a Case Control Study, the aim was to determine the risk of lung cancer associated with cannabis smoking. Their conclusion was that long-term cannabis use increases the risk of lung cancer in young adults. Of course, their great concern is over our young adults who are stepping up to the plate in droves to smoke marijuana. They've been taught all their lives by people in their sphere of influence that it's not harmful, and, and also in some cases that it's actually better than partaking of alcohol. And so, of course, the study is on the risk to young adults. Because if they start young and they continue to smoke throughout their entire life, how much of a greater risk are they? The American Lung Association's website has a lot of data on the damaging consequences of smoking marijuana. And in their public policy on lung health, it states, since marijuana smoke harms lung health, the American Lung Association opposes the inhalation of smoke or aerosol of marijuana. They also say the American Lung Association supports measures to require totally smoke-free environments, including marijuana. The reports you will find that tout the good health benefits of pot will be most likely reports that are subsidized or actually generated by marijuana interest groups and advocacy groups. But what about the social health? Ingesting pot creates a detachment from reality that advances isolation and places you in the company of people who live reckless, dangerous lives. Do you really think that making pot easier to get is going to stop or slow down the continued illegal sale of the drug alongside the legal sale? Or that the legal sale of the drug will slow down or stop the sale of pot and other drugs to kids? How's all of this working for us in the realm of alcohol? I met a guy one night in one of the apartment communities where we do ministry. He was apologetic about living in that apartment community. He thought it was substandard. I told him he shouldn't be apologetic. He said, well, I'm moving out of here once I get past my DUI. He had received it while driving over the legal limit of alcohol in his system. I asked him what that had to do with it. He said that he had no extra money because of the cost associated with the penalties of the DUI. I asked him how much it was going to cost him total. All costs came to about $48,000. I was shocked. I couldn't believe what this man was telling me. The threat of the penalties and the massive toll on his bank account did not deter him from driving under the influence. Keep in mind the amount of money 
that he said it was going to cost him when all things were paid had to do with everything from the legal fees, the court fees, the mandatory classes that are expensive, and fines and penalties. But all told, he said it was going to cost him right at $48,000. In another location of public ministry, out in front of a storefront we operated as a church, I ran into a guy I had met in that apartment community. He had come to the strip mall to buy something at the corner store. As we were standing there talking, he spoke to a young man who had come out of the store and was about to get into his car. He knew him from the apartment community. He asked him when he was going to jail. The young man gave him the date. After the young guy left, I asked the man I was talking to, why is the young man going to jail? He said, repeat DUIs. The young guy was going to jail for a couple of years. Think of all the heartache that has come to our society because of alcohol. Do you really think that we're going to be better off as a society with an additional mind-altering drug legalized? In this twisted scheme, some will even point to these stories I've just told and come up with a solution. Kenny, you just pointed out that our present system of enforcement is not working, even in alcohol. So like Dallas is now doing, or in the process of doing, let's decriminalize it so we can get a handle on this thing and help these poor people. I remind you that if people faced with the serious threat of serving jail time for the offense will not alter their behavior, your imposed alternative solution will not bring people to a point of change. The fact that they will violate the law on so many levels tells you that there's something deeper at play that will not go away or get better just because you can will them or you think you can will them to change. As a gateway drug, it does put you in the company of others who also do other kinds of illegal drugs. Advocates will scoff at the idea of the gateway connection, but even hardcore dopers like Lenny, who was one of the founders of the speed metal band Motorhead, admitted that pot is a gateway drug. What about your financial health? It's not good for your financial health. Pot is costly, and increasing addiction will result in financial ruin. The actual cost of marijuana, I pulled this up on the web pages from Colorado. Here's a brief summary from Colorado. One gram of pot is $14, which is about three one-hundredths of an ounce. One-eighth of an ounce, which is 3.5688 grams, is $41.30. Per ounce, pot is $330.40. A first-class letter with four sheets of paper enclosed is an ounce. Per pound, the cost is between $5,286.40 and $6,272. It appears that there may be some discount on volume. Not many people can afford the extra hit to the pocketbook of $400 plus additional in monthly expenses, plus the alcohol that is most likely consumed on a regular basis, along with the cost of cigarettes. So people will resort to growing their own pot, which is also being legalized in the States, who really is going to go to someone's home to verify that six plants only are being grown and only that no more than three of them have the most potent aspect, the flowering buds? In order to fund this recreational use, people will start resorting in the short term to credit card use if it's allowed, followed by growing, stealing, or dealing. When somebody goes down the road of drug use, excessive alcohol use, cigarette smoking, that 
the expenses begin to pile higher and higher and higher. On the front end, they will maximize their credit cards to get what they want. In the end, as the drug use deepens, you will tip to a point to where you cannot afford the habit. And I am telling you, in the drug world, what ends up happening is that you end up stealing, dealing, or prostitution. Write it down. If you're using, that eventually you will come to a point of stealing, dealing, or prostitution. One Sunday morning in the church where I served as an associate pastor, a large church in the Metroplex, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, a man came down the ramp, sharp-looking individual, appeared to be in his 40s, and he came up to me and he said, I need to speak to a minister now. I said, I'm one of the pastors of the church here. What can I do for you? And he said, I've got to have help that I have gotten involved and is a, a serious meth addict. I began to talk to him about what was happening in his life. He had a great job. He made it in excess of six figures, over $100,000 a year as a corporate headhunter. But he told me that his addiction had grown to the point to where he could not afford it and that he was on the verge of beginning to rob convenience stores and do something drastic to meet the need. As we talked about his experience, he got started through someone at a party who told him that, hey, try this substance. He was actually trying to cut back on his use of alcohol, and the person said, well, try this. He said it was in no time that he became heavily addicted. Methamphetamines and these types of drugs, they are very, very addictive. Opioids are very, very addictive. These chemicals are very addictive. The end result was an addiction that was leading to a major crash. So we began to meet with him and talk to him about his condition. He was a professing Christian, and we encouraged him that through the power of Christ, he could be set free from this addiction, but that he had to understand that the chemicals that he had invited into his life were real, and they were exercising real control over him. So the next step, we set him up with one of the members of our church who would be, in essence, a mentor or a, an assistance, a guide. One day, the individual we set him up with received a phone call from the person battling the drug addiction, and he called him by name, and he said that, I am on the verge of stopping at lunch and robbing a convenience store because I must have a, a hit of methamphetamines. The person we had connected this drug addict with began to talk to him and talked him back from the ledge of actually committing armed robbery in a local convenience store in the Dallas Fourth area. As time progressed, we finally brought him to a point to where he removed himself from the environment of people that were facilitating his drug addiction, and he moved out of the area to go live with his mother in East Texas. But I'm telling you, at some point, you will exceed the financial capability to support the addiction. And also keep in mind, parents, if you have children who are involved in pot and people who children who are involved in uh, additional drug use, that they will steal from you, they will rob from you, if you're paying attention to the news, they will take your life if it means getting to what they need. Now, when I said that, some of you listening to this podcast are saying, Kenny, now you're becoming an extremist. 
But my friend, I am telling you that I am talking about the truth and that someone who is involved in drug addiction, when they become desperate, they are, respecter of, they are a respecter of no one and they will do what they have to do to get to the money. And when you begin to talk about the amount of money, even with marijuana and cigarettes and alcohol together, you very quickly begin to exceed the capability financially to support these habits. And so we have to keep in mind that financial health, it's devastating. So here we have it, the bank accounts of an increasing number of adults, many of whom are parents and grandparents, will dwindle as their use of pot increases. The billions of dollars alone collected in taxes is taking food, clothing, care, band fees, football fees, music lesson fees out of the lives ultimately of kids. Colorado, population of 5.77 million, collected over $1 billion in taxes in the last five years. Think about how much money has been spent on pot in the last five years if the taxation equals over $1 billion. Where do you think that money is coming from? Are they withdrawing it from a great teller machine in the sky? Absolutely not. It's coming from their bank accounts or from credit cards or from theft or from redealing, as I said, dealing. You see, one of the tricks of the trade in the drug industry is you buy drugs at a certain point and then you sell portions of it, hopefully as a profit, so that you can pay for your own addiction. Now, also, let me tell you something. Where the majority of those drugs are going to be sold are to underage minors who cannot legally go to these quote-unquote dispensaries to legally purchase marijuana. And so the children, the teenagers, the minors are victimized, and they will pay. I remember in my past ministry, working in a very decayed apartment community, a great manager on staff there, cared about her people, cared about the children. She began to work closely with the city police department to curb the amount of drugs being dealt and used in her apartment community. She told me, she said, Kenny, I am sick and tired of 12-year-olds being paid $25 to take a brown paper sack from this apartment community down to the corner convenience store and to connect with somebody to give them the bag. You see, the drug thugs were using children to courier the dope to the corner store to be sold on the streets to people waiting to pick it up. Because they knew if the children got arrested, of course, they would not become convicted felons. They perhaps would go to juvenile detention. But the consequences were minimal compared to them being caught. And so this caring apartment manager said, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of the children being abused. And when you talk about children who are growing up in poverty, who have nothing, and someone comes up to you and says, I'll give you $25, all you have to do is take this brown paper sack and go down to the corner store, and someone's going to be there to receive it. A lot of money. In January and February of 2019, Alaska collected over $12 million from an estimated population of just 735,000 people. $12 million. So it's bad for your financial health. What about spiritual health? Pot and illicit drugs are an open door to the occult 
and his bad stewardship of the time, talent, and money that God has given you. What does the Bible say? In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 8, and chapter 22, verse 15, it lists the sorcerers, those who practice magical arts, as one of the types of people that will be cast into the lake of fire. The idea of sorcerer is one who deals in the occult through the use of herbs, drugs, and poisons. There is the strong connection between the drugs and sorcery or witchcraft. The word translated as sorcerers in the English comes from the Greek word used in the original text, pharmakois, which is ultimately from the root pharmacon, but you can hear our word pharmacy in that, pharmakos. Our word pharmacy is etymologically derived ultimately from that same Greek root, but we also know the word goes uh, much older than that. And so in the book of Revelation, it's clearly connected to witchcraft, bad for your spiritual health. So from a biblical standpoint, to use pot or any other mind-altering substance is to open yourself up to the occult. And in a mentally impaired or incapacitated state, you're in harm's way for Satan to use you as his pawn. The loss of self-control, which occurs when you choose to give your mind over to a third-party substance, is to choose to jettison the influence of the Holy Spirit of God from your life. This is key. The loss of self-control, the loss of your control of your mind, which occurs when you choose to give your mind over to a third-party substance, and make no mistake about it, this third-party substance has power. The Bible says about alcohol that it is a mocker. It makes fun of you. In conversation with church members who smoke and who have guilt about their smoking, Behind closed doors, they will tell me, I am bothered that as a Christian, I do not have the capability, it seems, to exercise control and to stop using tobacco. And I remind them that it's not just tobacco. It is a third-party agency. It is a real substance that does exercise real control over you. And so when you take in this third-party substance, you're choosing to jettison the influence of the Holy Spirit of God from your life. The Bible states it clearly that we are not to give up the control of our bodies to any mind-altering, controlling substance. In Ephesians 5.18, the Apostle Paul writes, And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. The Bible also makes it clear that we are to be good stewards, managers of the resources God gives us to use. The use of drugs was so connected with the occult that people understood the prohibition and that the Bible makes it clear in Romans 12 verse 3 that we are to be sober-minded in a right mind. So the question is, how much more needs to be said? So in summary, when we talk about mind control, the Bible makes it clear that we are not to give up our control of our mind to anything or anyone except for the Holy Spirit of God. We are to maintain the control of our own personal minds. But as we look at our present condition, we can summarize and know that marijuana is just bad for your health. It's bad for my health. It's bad for our health. It's bad for our mental health. It's bad for our physical health. It's bad for our social health. It's bad for our financial health. And it's bad for our spiritual health. So what do you do? 
Number one, don't do marijuana yourself. Don't smoke pot. It's not good for you. It's not good for your health. Number two, if you don't smoke pot, you need to be sure and teach your children or those under your care and influence the truth about pot. You need to become educated. This podcast today perhaps is just a starter, but there is a multitude of information that you need to know. You don't need to stick your head in the sand and say that everything is okay because everything is not okay. And also, you don't need to put up with pot smokers under your roof. If they are a minor, you need to exercise control and authority and hard discipline at times in order to bring the minor into an understanding that you are not going to put up with the use of dope and pot alcohol under your roof. And at times, it will be very difficult. It will crush your heart. But I want to encourage you, if you really love your child, you will do the hard thing for their sake. In times past, they called it tough love. But guess what? Tough love does work. But guess what? Tough love will make you sick at night. Tough love will make you vomit. Tough love will cause you to have diarrhea. I'm telling you, I've ministered to many people that have had to do the difficult thing with their children who are smoking dope, smoking cigarettes, taking drugs, drinking alcohol. And when they clamp down, when they do the hard things, it will make you sick as a dog. But guess what? It's the best thing to do while you still have a chance with your minor child. Once that child becomes 18, it is a whole different world. And counseling with families who have had children who progress into their adulthood still using drugs, I can write their history. They say, well, he's just unlucky that he got caught by the police. Let me tell you something, that if your child has been arrested for drugs or alcohol as a minor or as a young adult, and they tell you, oh, I'm just unlucky. No, that tells you how much they're doing it. It's not a matter of unlucky. It's a matter of use. And that if they are beginning to be caught by the police, it tells you how bad off they are. Do not listen to the lie that they're just unlucky. But you need to become personally educated and a champion for the recension of legalization of drugs where you live. If this... If you are listening to this podcast and you are in Colorado, don't just sit there and accept the fact that Colorado has legalized it and therefore that is the way it will always be. Begin to become active legally where you live and aggressively seek to stop the use of it and the sale of it legally within your state, within your city. Call your elected officials and demand they enforce all of the laws on the books. I also encourage you, if you're in states to where you're heading towards legalization, aggressively reveal those who hold office who are in favor of the legalization of pot. But I encourage you that if we are to be at peace and if we are to advance equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world, we must come to the truth about marijuana. We must come to the truth about pot. And we must embrace the truth, and act on it accordingly. As we say no to drugs, as we say no to alcohol, as we say no to cigarettes, that we will advance equilibrium in our lives and in the lives of others in the midst of this agitated world. So until next time, my friend, remember, I'm here because you matter. God loves you. 
And may your life advance equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Peace.